Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got drama yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, polar vortex time. Just saying polar vortex sounds kind of scary time. I don't think the polar vortex can be worse than Tennessee's second half performance at Ole Miss time. I'm not really sure if that's a good thing or bad thing to say time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a uh, chilly evening here in the beautiful East Tennessee Valley slash mountain city of Knoxville, Tennessee. Marble City, Scruffy City, all kinds of other fun nicknames for it. Uh, gonna do things a little bit different on this episode, guys. I know that normally you just hear from uh, from me and and uh, some of our staff at GoVols twenty four seven. Whether that's you know Patrick, Grant, Ryan, all all of us. Um, sometimes all of us, sometimes just a couple of us. But sometimes we like to mix it up and uh, spice up the conversation a little bit. Talk to some of our other friends who cover some of this stuff uh, around the world of college football and college basketball. This time we're gonna have a college basketball conversation. Uh, it's mostly focused on Tennessee and the SEC, but we, we get to some other stuff too. Uh, but it's a conversation uh, that I had just recorded uh, here. What is it now? It's about 6.45 or so. Uh, just got done recording this about maybe 10, 15 minutes ago. And it's a conversation with my, my good friend, Rob Doster, one of my favorite people uh, in out there in the, the college media world. Uh, this is a guy who um, ha- has worked for a lot of big places recently at NBC Sports, was the National College uh, basketball writer. Uh, but they did some things there. Uh, COVID hit, and uh, some some guys uh, and gals across the country who are fantastic at their jobs uh, lost their jobs, and it, it really sucked. Uh, it sucked for a lot of people out there. I'm sure a lot of y'all listening are going through some stuff too. Uh, but Rob took a took a, a tough time, and he made something really cool out of it. Uh, he, he's gotten started uh, field the field of sixty eight, which is a local. Um, it, it's kind of a, a podcast slash media entity that, that covers a lot of college basketball on a local level, which I think is a really cool idea, something that, that the college basketball world could use, frankly. And I think he's doing a great job. He's uh, also uh, teamed up uh, with, with Jeff Goodman, uh, who also does stuff at Stadium. And, and Goodman's a guy who a lot of y'all will know covered Tennessee – or not covered Tennessee, covered has covered college basketball forever. Guy has just a, a Rolodex of names and numbers, and he just knows everybody in college basketball. Uh, and they do a lot of really, really cool work there uh, at Field of 68. And we talk a little bit about that, but uh, primarily uh, we talk about Tennessee basketball. And this is a guy who, uh, Rob, who who knows a lot about Tennessee basketball, watches a lot of Tennessee basketball, still, uh, still is kind of bullish about this Tennessee basketball team's potential, uh, even in light of Tuesday's just disastrous second half at Ole Miss. Um, but you know what? There's still another uh, good month or so left of the regular season. Postseason starts up here in about what, five weeks, something like that. Uh, so there's lots of basketball to be played, uh, but it's getting to be that time of the season where, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, kind of let, let's, let's make these brackets. Let's see kind of, let's put a field of 68 out there. See, you like, you like the plug there. I gave your site, Rob, uh, your network there. Uh, you look at that, that NCAA tournament bracket and you start wondering kind of where, where people will fit in. 
Um, you know, the mid-majors, you know, what, what are the mid-majors and some low-major teams you might want to know? We get to that at the end, but we primarily discuss uh, Tennessee basketball and SEC basketball, and this guy is more than equipped to do that. Uh, so I'm going to get out of the way now, and I'm going to just kind of clear the runway and uh, let you all hear a conversation uh, with me and with our, our good friend of the pod, Rob Doster. Joined now by our, our good friend, uh, Rob Doster. I, I don't know if we should, do we say a good friend of the pod or just friend of the pod if it's his second time on the pod? I don't know how many times you have to be on a pod before you go from uh, FOP to GFOP. But uh, regardless, we're going to go up there and uh, go talk to Rob Doster, our good friend from the field of 68. Does a lot of stuff, a lot of incredible stuff uh, covering college basketball across the country. Rob, what's up, man? Not too much, man. I, you know, I, I would hope that I'm a good friend. I think I've been following you on Twitter since like the day that Twitter started. So I would hope at that point, you know, that like we're, we're considered good friends. So. We're, we're old is what that means. I think we're yeah, getting that, old. That is what that means. We're getting old. Like now I just got off the, the bike a minute ago and I'm already feeling like, uh, like, like I'm old, man. I just, I'm old. Like it didn't, things didn't used to hurt, but uh, how are things going up there in the, uh, my wife's beloved uh, uh, Beltway DMV area. Oh, How are things up that way? This, this will about sum it up. We have a special guest on the podcast. <laughs> right now, so. I have. Hey, hey you know what? Uh, Gus makes his appearance on pretty much every podcast we do by, you know, right now I think my wife's out there playing with him, kicking soccer balls in the backyard. So you'll probably hear him barking here in just a minute because, you know, Corgi's well, I mean, the, the way that it works is as soon as, as soon as the cameras go on and the mics get plugged in, um, the babies come in and then as soon as the babies come in, the dog is coming in afterwards. So like we just, we had the whole family in here on the, a guest spot on the podcast, man. So look, you should feel special. Yeah. I, 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 I apologize every time that I, I do like, a you know, I go like on CBS or go like on fine bomb. I'm like, by the way, just, just so you know, we have a Corgi. And so he has to bark. It's genetic. He has to bark every 30 seconds just so everyone knows he's alive. So sorry about that. I'll try to put him in the backyard, but you know, that's, uh, that, that's life right now, isn't it? We're all working from home. Yeah. I, I think everyone's kind of accepted the fact that, that you're never going to have a call. If you have kids or a dog or a cat or anything, you're never going to have a call where there isn't going to be something going on in the background. It's yeah, just, it's, it's, it's 2021 for you. Yeah. You just, you wait for the times that, that my, my wife wants to, uh, you know, sometimes she'll do the zooms from her office, which is across the hall from mine. And sometimes she'll just be downstairs, uh, like in the sunroom or whatever, and I'll, you know, she'll, she'll, she gets up before me, you know, cause she's a normal human being and she'll be doing those morning meetings and I'll like walk by in like a tank top or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, everyone in the business meeting, how are you? I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go get some Cheerios over here. That's good morning. I know I look good, but I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's a weird time for everyone. It's a weird time for, for the world, weird time for sports. And, and I got to tell you, Rob, Tuesday was the first time this season that I felt like things were weird for the Tennessee basketball team. And, and we're going to talk a, a little bit about the Vols, obviously, mostly about the Vols, talk SEC, uh, college basketball stuff. Um, but Tuesday night was the first time that Tennessee really lost the script for me. Uh, I know Tennessee had lost a few games earlier in the season, but it had played without Jaden Springer. Uh, Florida was just a weird night. Bama's a good team. Uh, Missouri's a solid team. And Tennessee, you know, in those first two of those first three losses, Tennessee did just about everything you can do wrong and still almost won the game against the good team. So I wasn't really pressuring it because they didn't have all their guys. Um, but on Tuesday at Oxford, they build, it's an ugly game. It's a rock fight. You know it's going to be a rock fight because those are the, the two statistically, you know, best defenses in the SEC. But Tennessee goes up by 11 in the second half and then just sort of stops playing offense. Uh, just goes about 14 minutes without a field goal, which is the – one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Uh, it, it was the first time all year that I was like, okay, Florida was your one freebie. Now this one's weird. You know, what, what, what did you think watching that game or, or however much of it you got to see? Well, first and foremost, I need to commend you because that was just an unbelievable segue getting into going from uh, from normal, uh, an unnormal life to a, an unnormal game. I was very, very impressed with that. Well, uh, so you know, I mean, like you're a professional, huh? The, the, there's a reason why they they pay me the mediocre bucks, and it's to <laughs> it's to bring you transitions like that. That's my one good one for the month. I'll have another one. You know, let's let's try again in March. Um, but to to answer the question, it, 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 I, I feel the same way that you did. Now, you know, I read your column um, afterwards, and I, I agree with it pretty much wholeheartedly in that. Uh, there were there was always a reason for the other games, right? Like Jaden Springer was um, 
he he hurt he was hurt what five minutes into the game in Alabama yeah. and he didn't play against Florida and like he wasn't he was banged up against Missouri Missouri's good and they kind of take away the things that uh Tennessee wants to do but against uh, th- there really isn't that like kind of built-in excuse for this old Miss game um because we saw them play well and they kind of gave it away which is the frustrating part of it and that's concerning to me um for a couple reasons um but the biggest is that like the whole concept of Tennessee like the the way that they can have success is that uh you know they're never going to be a great offensive team no matter what happens they're just never going to be they just don't have the pieces for it. what they have are a bunch of guys that are great defenders like le- like legitimately elite defenders yeah. uh they have a team that should in theory be kind of built be built on like the toughness and the physicality and like uh, we may not win the game but we're gonna like win the fight kind of a mindset right and it doesn't like if you're blowing leads like it, it doesn't feel like that is um that shouldn't be happening for a team that's supposed to be the tougher team, right? And again, my daughter's making another appearance. She really it, wants to be on the pod. It, it's twenty twenty slash twenty one, man. What are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, so I mean, it just you shouldn't be giving away leads like that ever. But you definitely should not be doing it when you're supposed to be a team that's built on defense and built on toughness and built on um, winning games that are going to be in the fifties and sixties. Like this is the kind of game that you're built for and you're built to win. And it's it's concerning to me that that wasn't the case. And there's a lot of reasons. For it, um, you know, I do think that you have to give some credit to, to Kermit Davis and, and Ole Miss for oh, yeah, they mixing, got, it's a great and, system. Yeah, and like they they really confused Tennessee, and, and you know we were talking about it before uh, we hit record, but there were it felt like they were I don't know I, I think it was like four in total, but it felt like there were seventeen turnovers that led directly to Ole Miss layups, and like that right there is is what you need um, if you're Tennessee. Like you need those easy baskets, you need those turnovers in the transition, you need those turnovers in the layups, you need to be able to not have to go up against the set defense. And it feels like they're not really creating that anymore. And, and, and you know, I, I, I kind of have a theory and I, I want to bounce this off you and see what sure. you think. After you have that theory, I got a theory too. So let's bounce some theories. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. I got, I got a, I don't know if it's right, but it's uh, it makes sense in my head, um, which is, which, which is normally not a good thing, but uh, so here, here goes. It feels like this is, it's almost like a confidence thing, right? It's almost like a, um, once the game starts, it's like, okay, well, here it goes again. We're not making shots. We're collapsing. Like, we can't get anything going offensively. The heads start hanging. Um, I don't know if it's if it's a not playing hard enough thing because I don't think, that, like, the, the kids on that, that that roster are wired to not play hard. Yeah, they, they don't. They, and if they're not playing hard, they they Barnes will put walk-ons on the floor. I mean, he his first year he did that with, you know, Robert Hubbs when – you know, Robert Hubbs was struggling, you know, and it's their best scorer, you know, best play. He still puts mm-hmm. him on the bench for almost the entire second half at South Carolina just to prove a point. I mean, he's he's old school. He'll do that. So it, it's not an effort thing. Yeah. So it, to me, it kind of feels like a confidence thing where it's just like, all right, teams have figured out what we want to do. Um, Tennessee has not figured out the way to kind of counter that. And now it's like once everything starts building on each other and they miss a couple shots and, and, um, you know, they give up a couple layups and there's a couple turnovers. All of a sudden, you know, the heads start hanging. It's like, oh, here we go again. And and there isn't that like that guy to stop the bleeding, right? You don't have that guy that you can give the ball to where you know he can go get you a bucket. There, there is, I don't want to say it's a lack of leadership, um, because I, I don't think that that's the correct way to phrase it, but I do think there is you kind of like that guy that's gonna like getting getting everybody's ass when just to let them know like okay this yep. is not acceptable like we can't do it this way so i don't i don't think that leadership is the right word but just it kind of feels like that alpha is missing does that make sense no it does and, and that's you know i had two theories that that's it's sort of one of them and, and i hate they're just i hate cliches i hate them i really really hate them uh, but sometimes we have to admit that cliches are cliches for a reason because some of them are true and I, I was watching that second half. I went back and watched it because, like I, I said, uh, you know, life is pain and pain is life. So, you know, if I can sit through Tennessee-Georgetown, that god-awful half a few years ago, which is the worst basketball that has ever been played in the history of basketball, uh, you know, James Naismith cried in his grave for like a year after that. It was awful. But in general, uh, you know, I, I just kept thinking that, you know, th- this Tennessee team, if you look at the team two years ago to, to now, this team – will make more money at the next level. When you combine like the the professional contracts of, you know, NBA, overseas, G League, whatever it is, this team will have much higher, I think, career earnings than that team two years ago. Now that team had, you know, Bone, Williams, 
you know, Bowden, who we'll see what he does at the next level. You know, obviously, you know, William Schofield, Kyle Alexander, uh, who, who's, you know, played some with the Heat. Now he's overseas, wants to come back to the league. Um, you know, Bone and NBA point guard, Turner, who we'll see what happens with his shoulder when he gets better. I mean, that team had some some guys, right? Um, and Pons was and Fulkerson were bench guys then. But that team had something this this team does not have. And the reason why I still think the upside of this team is higher is because of that talent. But two years ago, you knew if you went two or three minutes without a bucket, you just threw the ball down to number two, and it didn't matter if God himself was guarding Grant Williams. His six foot five or six foot six body would find a way to put the ball in the bucket. It didn't matter. I mean, I saw him do it against seven three guys, seven four guys. I mean, you know, against guards, it didn't matter. Just you throw it down to two, he'll get you a bucket. Uh, and if for some reason he's in foul trouble, well, just just go ahead and kick it out to to Schofield. He'll make something happen, and, and you could lean on that. And when you needed a big shot at the end of the game, Lamonte Turner turned into Robert Orr. You just knew what those guys could do. Mm-hmm. And right now, when I saw that second half, you know Tennessee's got that it's not about me mentality, which is great. I love it. They they are fantastic kids. They are unselfish guys. They recruit character in that program and they mean it. Those are good dudes or Barnes will not recruit them, generally speaking. But it's not about me can't become don't look at me. And sometimes I think it becomes don't look at me when you go that long without a field goal because you got a bunch of guys saying, well, you know, here, Vescovi's going to do it. No, you do it, Josiah. No, no, you, no, you, Jaden. No, no, you, Keon. No, hey, Fulky, go to Fulky. You know, Fulkerson took five shots in that game, which is just unacceptable. That should never, ever happen. Uh, and that's partly on him, partly on the fact that they, they kept turning the ball over before it got to him. But they just have – this team is supposed to be about strength in numbers. And sometimes it is. I mean, they throw athletes at you in waves. And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's why they're able to play as hard as they do defensively because they go for a couple minutes at a time usually and then, you know, two or three minutes, come back in, you know, get, get a rest, go back out there. Um, you know, they, against Ole Miss, they only played really like a seven slash eight man rotation. They they probably need to widen that. But I guess my thing is, it's just I don't think this team is bad offensively. I just don't think it's great offensively, and I don't think it's ever going to be great. Um, but that team scored eighty points against Kansas without a single fast break point, without one. Uh, they can go out there and put up fifty on you and a half in a hurry when they're feeling it. They do have skill. I mean, Jaden Springer is a fantastic one-on-one offensive basketball player. And if Jaden Springer wanted if, – if you gave him the ball and said, I need, I need you to score 20 points every game, I think he would do it four out of five games at least. You know, uh, he played awful uh, at Ole Miss, one of seven, missed two front ends of one-on-ones. You know, they win the game if he plays better. It is what it is. But, you know, maybe Springer becomes that guy. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, Keon Johnson, no one should be able to stop him from getting to the basket – just, you know, the way he can put the ball on the floor, the way he can jump over everyone. Maybe some of those Baylor dudes could could do something at the rim against him, um, but not a lot of guys. And I'm still not mentioning Fulkerson and Pons, who carried them down the stretch last season when they became a team nobody wanted to play toward the end of the year. So I, I think they have that ability, but the fact that they're not doing it consistently makes me wonder why they're still confused about what the role is on on each guy. And I don't know if that's because – it was a weird offseason. I, I don't want to pin it on that, but maybe that had something to do with it. I don't really know. Um, but they just don't They don't have defined roles yet because they've got so many guys. I mean, they could play 12, 13 guys if they wanted to because guys like Ticket Gaines, Plavsic, you know, we see Comois get out there sometimes. I mean, Drew Pember is a guy who I still think has great upside. Um, they've got guys. They just they don't have that guy that, you know, you say, hey, right now they don't have that guy that you say, go give me a bucket. And you look at the best teams in the country, generally every year, they have, it. They, have that, they have at least one of those guys, right, that you say, okay, clear the floor, this is the guy. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it is also that we've kind of gotten to a point where we just assume freshmen are finished products, right? Like we've yeah. seen mm-hmm. Zion come in and the impact that he's had. And we see Jalen Suggs come in and look as good as he does on day one. And we see, you know, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins go out and, and put together the best team in the country. And Anthony Davis and Michael K. Gilchrist win a national title. And, um, you know, Julio Okafor and Tyus Jones win a national title. And we just assume blindly that every kid that has five stars on this 24-7 profile is going to end up being, like, that kind of impact player. And it's, it's just – it's not like that. Like, so Keon, I, I think – 
I would probably take him in the top 10 still. Um, I think that he, the kid and that is surprises a, a lot of people, but I agree with it. Yeah. Like he, he's got a terrific work ethic. I blindly assume that anybody that, that Rick Barnes takes or anybody that Rick Barnes recruits heavily is going to be a fantastic kid that you want to bet on. Right. Cause at the end of the day, a lot of them you're betting on the kid. Um, I don't know how many people you will ever see that are more explosive athletically than Keon is like, he's one of those guys that can jump off his right foot, jump off his left foot, jump off two feet, moving to his right, jump off two feet, going to his left. He had one dunk on, on the, the Adidas circuit where he drove to his right hand, jumped off his right foot and dunked over two guys with his right hand. Like, which you just should not be able to do. Yeah. But like, and it was just like, what, there's no way that I just saw that happen. Right. Like he's, a ridiculous athlete. The skill part of it is still coming. But like when you're a freshman, the skill part of it is still supposed to be coming. like you're learning how to utilize the, the physical tools you have. The same thing with Jaden Springer. Like when you're a freshman, you're supposed to not really understand like, okay, when am I supposed to take over games? When am I supposed to come here and do this? When am I, when am I supposed to do that? Like, is it my turn to go take over? Like it's when you step into a team that already has uh, veterans that, that have kind of assumed some of those roles, like, pushing your way in is never is not always the easiest thing to do. Right. And there's a re- reason why coaches will tell you the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores because they learn how to do that stuff. Right. It's not easy for 18 year olds, especially in this climate to be able to do those things right away. So um, I do think that that is absolutely part of it. And I do think that um, it's, it's, it's kind of growing pains that you're going to see. Uh, but my take, like, and I think the biggest thing that's going on with Tennessee right now is that um for a while, they were they were getting points off of their offense, right? Off of, off of their plays, off of their sets, off of things that Rick Barnes could could scheme up. Now there is what two months, three months worth of tape. What do they play? Seventeen games. Yeah. Um, so so all these teams in the SEC know what they're going to run, know know what they want to do, know how they want to play, and they don't really have the guys that can go out and just make a play for themselves. They so, get, they got one in Springer, but I don't know who else can do it. Yeah. So what, what we're waiting for is like that, that next adjustment, right? Like you do something, you have success with it. Somebody adjusts to what you're doing and then you have to find another, another option. You have to find a plan B. And I think Rick Barnes right now is trying to find that plan B. And I kind of thought that we saw it against Kansas. Um, I thought that we saw it for the first 25 minutes against Ole Miss. You know, if you go out and you beat Ole Miss by 10 on the road against a team that, that that's as good as they are defensively, like that's, that's a good win. Yeah. You know, they would have, if they did that, they would have covered the spread. Yeah. Vegas, Vegas had it at two and a half to three and a half by tip off. And I was saying, is that right? And well, Vegas knew Vegas usually knows, but I mean, it, it confused me. That was the first part of my conversation with our good friend, Rob Doster from the field of 68, talking Tennessee basketball, college basketball, SEC basketball, all that good stuff. Wasn't really a great place in there to kind of mix in a commercial break, but kind of had to to finagle it and find one there. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, listen to some uh, products, uh, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and then come right back for the second part of our conversation with Rob Doster. It'll be a little longer than the first part of the conversation, but again, just kind of had to find a place to cut it, and this was the one back in just one second. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a chilly Thursday night in the beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee, talking college basketball in this episode, obviously, specifically talking Tennessee basketball, SEC basketball, uh, but also some college basketball stuff in general. And one of the best people to have that conversation with is our good friend Rob Doster from the Field of 68. Uh, those guys do a great job uh, covering college basketball across the country, including the SEC, including Tennessee. So uh, I'm going to step back out of the way here in just a second. But before I do that, going to throw out a quick reminder again, guys, please take a minute out of your day right now. It will not take you more than a minute. Please go in there and hit that subscribe button on this podcast. Please rate and review this podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. It's easy to find. Just search us. We're right there. Mash that subscribe button, rate and review this podcast. That, that helps us out so much, guys. We do this for free, and we're really happy to do it for free, uh, but that's the one thing we ask, and it really helps us a lot. So uh, if you want to give a five-star rating, that's great. We would love that. That's what we would uh, want the most, obviously. Uh, but go in there and tell us what you think. If there's things that you like, things that you think could do better, things that guys that you want to hear us interview uh, in the future, so some things that uh, maybe you like more interviews with coaches, maybe you you like just more of the analysis from us, just tell us what you like. That's We're doing this for free, and we're doing it for y'all, and we want to know what y'all want. So please go in there and tell us that. Please rate and review this podcast. That helps us more than anything. Now that that's out of the way, guys, please, please stick around here and finish the second part of this conversation with our good friend Rob Doster from the Field of 68, talking Tennessee basketball, SEC basketball, all kinds of fun stuff. You know, what's weird to, to me is, and I, I want to bounce this idea off of you, and it, it might be nuts, but it's something that I, that I think, and, and I, you know, I don't want to take a nuanced argument and make it simple like we're, you know, doing some sort of a 30-second segment here because that's not what this is. It's it's more than that. But I think you've watched more college basketball than I have this year. I've watched as much as I can. I don't know how uh, y'all national guys do it. I never, I've had chances in my career to, to go that route and do some of those things. And I think college basketball especially, there's 300-plus teams. It is so freaking hard to do that. I mean, in football, you got 100-plus, you know, and, and you got the Power 5 conferences you really got to watch, and that's difficult because there's only one game a week. You know, basketball, you got games most nights, which is nice, and, and days sometimes now with these afternoon weekday games. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how, um, you know, y'all do it. I really don't, and, and that's one thing that why I've kind of stayed where I've stayed in some ways is because it's – I mean, I love SEC basketball. I have my whole life, but, you know, sometimes that's enough for me to watch. But I've watched enough this year, I think – I think in college basketball, there are very clearly two teams. You could maybe throw Michigan in there, but I, I still wouldn't yet. There are two teams, um, Gonzaga and Baylor, who are kind of on their own planet. And some people are saying, you know, maybe Michigan's there, Iowa gets everything together. I think there's there's a couple of levels in college basketball right now. I think there are those two teams. And I think there might only be a half dozen teams who could beat Gonzaga or Baylor without Gonzaga or Baylor giving them the game. So, like, if the, there may be a half dozen teams that could go out there and Gonzaga or Baylor could play well or decently and they could still lose to these teams. I think Tennessee's one of those teams. I still do. I've seen them at their best. I still believe they can do that. My problem is when you look at projecting who will go to, like, a Final Four, what we've seen from Tennessee, I don't know how they will do it for four consecutive games. That's my concern. I know – that if it was just like, here's here's one weekend in San Antonio or Indianapolis, and it's Gonzaga, Baylor, Iowa, and Tennessee, I think Tennessee would go out there and have a chance to beat any of those teams, or Michigan, you know, even if those teams played well. But I don't know if they can string it together right now because they just don't know exactly what they're going to get every game. Am I crazy in that? Is, am I oversimplifying this, or, or, or is there there's something there? No, I mean, that's, that's exactly what – uh, that's exactly what I think of Tennessee as well. And um, the most important thing that I think you said there is right now though, like there's yeah. still, what do we have? Like a, a month before the end of the season, a month before the SEC yeah. to start, like assume I got the schedule right here. So assuming that there's no more COVID cancellations or um, anything else pops up on their schedule, Tennessee has, uh, I believe it's eight more games, right? So let's just say that they play eight more games, right? That that's a month. That's two games a week to figure this thing out. And um, there's a reason why Rick Barnes was as as successful as he was um, at Texas. There's a reason why uh, he built 
two teams kind of from the ground up that were good enough to make it to a final four already at Tennessee, right? He's got a great staff. Um, and I think that they can figure this thing out. Like there's, they know, they know what the issue is, right? It's not like the, there's, there's no secret. Like you talk to anybody that watches Tennessee basketball and talk to anyone that covers basketball nationally and anyone that's, that's coached against them. And like everyone's saying the same thing. So if everyone knows what the problem is, Rick Barnes knows what the problem is, which means that um, he knows what he has to do to be able to fix this thing. And, and honestly, like, I think they can get there. Part of it is kind of forcing Jaden Springer to be like, accept the fact that he's the guy, you know, it's, I remember, I think it was Duncan Robinson was on one of our podcasts and he was talking yeah. about how um, it took him a while to learn that, that when plays were run for him and he didn't shoot, that was the selfish thing to do. Yes. Right. Yes, like when your yes, team yes. needs you to be the shooter and you don't shoot the shot when you're open one, like you're being selfish. You're not doing what the team needs you to do. And two, like, what's the point of having you out there then? Like, cause Duncan Robinson is out there to do one job. And now it's a little bit different with, with a guy like Jaden Springer, because like, he's such a good defensive player, but at some point it's just kind of like, dude, we need you to be that guy that can get 15 and five. Right. We need you to be that guy that we can give the ball to when things get bad to kind of stop the bleeding. Right. We need you to be the band-aid guy. And um, and I think that like once he kind of embraces that and accepts it and and, and thrives in that role, like it kind of changes what Tennessee is. Because, I mean, look, defensively, they're still awesome. Right. They get they went on the road and they gave up 52 points. Like there's, it, it's very difficult to lose a game when you go on the road and give up 52 points. I think they're first right now on Ken Palm's like adjusted defensive efficiency they metric, right? They they're yeah. number one defensive. Yeah. So like they, their ceiling's up there because the talent's on that roster. They have guys that can get shots or um, I'm sorry. They have guys that can make some shots. They have finishers at the rim. It's just a matter of, of putting all the pieces together and finding a way to make it work. And, you know, I think, I think if I would have told you, back at the start of the season like you'd be sitting here right now first week of february you're 12 and 4 on the season you're 5 and 4 in the sec where like other than alabama everybody basically has three or four losses right so you're one three game winning streak away from being in second place in a conference you would probably take that right at the start of the year right it's the fact that they were so good early on kind of changed a little bit what the level of expectation was does that make sense it does but see i was one of those guys coming into the season some people kind of, you know, gave a, cut some eyes a little bit when when they saw that Tennessee was picked to win the league, and and I'm never a guy who who goes into a season just thinking that the team that I cover is going to to win the league. Like I never, I try to, I'm almost overly critical of the team I cover because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm looking at the full picture because it's easy to to see things in a vacuum. It's much harder to see things outside of it. Uh, but this season was was the first time in a while in, in either football or basketball that I can remember that I went into the league, into the year saying. Tennessee's going to win this league. Tennessee's the best team in this league, and I don't think it's that close. I said, I don't think Kentucky's that great. No, I didn't think Kentucky would be this bad or this mediocre. <laughs> but I, I said, I think, I think Tennessee is the best team in the league. Um, and that clearly has not been the case. It just has not because, you know, I'm a big believer in Nate Oates. I always have been. I said when Alabama got there, I got a couple friends down there. I said, I'm telling you, you just got a great basketball coach. I don't know how long it's going to take him, but I'm telling you. And Alabama – you know, throughout its history kind of sneaks in there with some more five-star basketball prospects than you'd think. More guys come out of that state, you know, than, than you would imagine. You know, you go back over the years, some of the players they've had, and you go, oh, wow, those were actually really great, like, longtime NBA pros, like good players. And then you get a guy who can go in there and coach them, and you got something going. And uh, But I didn't think they'd be, be as good as they are, um, but they are really, really good. You know, Tennessee should have beaten them at home, but did not. Um, but I mean, you know, that team's the class of the league right now, but when you look across it, I mean, I still think if you ask me which roster I'd rather have, I think I'd still probably rather have Tennessee's. I don't, I don't know. Now maybe I'm projecting there thinking that, you know, one of these guys like Fulkerson's going to get back going. Josiah Jordan James is going to remember how good he is at basketball, uh, which he needs to do, and it's another subplot going on that just, hey, when are you going to remember how good you are? Um, you know, will Vescovi start hitting threes again because he's just, you know, he's been mm-hmm. cold lately. You know, Victor Bailey Jr.'s got – he can throw the hammer off the bench. You know, will he get going? I mean, I just – there's so many guys that I look at and go, he could get going, he could get going, he could get going. I think I'd rather have Tennessee's roster, but Alabama's the better team right now, clearly. Yeah, it's tough. Um, 
if you're if you're looking at it from just like a raw talent perspective, I think that Tennessee probably has more talent. But the way that everything fits on uh, on the Alabama roster, and like those guys, they they just they they're completely bought in to the style and the system that that Nate Oates wants to play, and then they have like the perfect glue guy that brings it all together in Herb Jones. Like that dude is so, I don't think people appreciate just how good he is. Yeah. Like, I think if I'm an NBA team, he, I'm looking he, he at should him not, and like, he the, should not be a kept secret anymore. Like the way people f- used to forget to talk about Eve Pons is now the way they're forgetting to talk about yes. Herb Jones. Yeah. Like to me, both of those guys are, are, are players that I would take in the, the top 20 of this year's draft. And they're, they're different in what they do, but they're, they're the same in that there is a very specific role that they are going to be able to play in the NBA and they're going to be able to do it well. And for me, like if I'm if I'm picking in the late first round, it means I'm a playoff team looking to fill the holes that I need to fill yeah. to make my team be really good. And if you want to get the bet the single best defender and the single best athlete in college basketball, oh, by the way, a guy that can make like a, a face up three, you got to go get Eve Spons. If you want to get a six foot eight point forward that can guard pretty much any position, that is shooting forty something percent from three this year. And it's tough and proved- it's tough as hell. Yes, that dude, like okay, so this year he's playing through like uh, he broke a finger where like I wasn't the bone popping through the skin on the it, finger. It was, it was, it was pretty gnarly. Yeah. So he broke a finger. He's got a back injury. He got a bloody nose. Like he's all kinds of bangs up. He's the same dude. My favorite Herb Jones story is last year. Um, I think it was, I think they were playing LSU at home. He had a broken right wrist, maybe a broken right hand. He had something wrong with his hand where he had to have a, ca- a cast on his right yeah. hand and he's right-handed and he played left-handed. And he got 17 rebounds and he made two clutch free throws left-handed in like the yeah. final minute of the game. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like How I do you not love that dude. Yeah, like if if you were if you were like having a draft and you could be like, you know, you just want to take 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 up take all the players in the SEC and you got a draft and you can start with a guy. Um I might take Herb Jones. I mean, there, there's guys who will be picked higher than him in the draft, certainly. I mean, there's guys at Kentucky who do have ability. Tennessee's got, you know, more got a maybe a handful of future NBA guys on that roster in one degree or another. I mean, there's there's dudes around the league who can play. I mean, there are some who can really, really play. LSU's got some guys. Florida's got a couple guys. I mean, they're they're out there, um, you know. But but that guy's just man. I, I might take him first just because he can. He does so much for his team. You know, it's like when I look at the kind of like player that I would like or I would think Tennessee fans would like Josiah Jordan James to be, oh, yeah. I would point at Herb oh. Jones. And I think it's nice that James realized his freshman year he's not a point guard. He came to Tennessee as a point guard. He was adamant about that. Um, but he's not so stubborn that when Tennessee said, listen, we think you got a much better future as a wing. You're one of the best rebounders around. You can do a lot of things. You can still bring the ball up. Because Tennessee, it's just like whoever rebounds the ball, unless it's Fulkerson, brings the ball up the floor. So it doesn't really matter where you play. It's just kind of who you're defending and and things like that. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I, 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 would, I would want him to be Herb Jones. Yeah, I mean, so much of that is the label of the position that you're playing, right? Like, if you look at the NBA, it's kind of gone that way as well. Yeah. And um, and I do, like, I, I do think that Josiah Jordan-James still has – some NBA potential because of his size and his athleticism and the versatility and the playmaking. Um, I mean, obviously there's things that he definitely has to get better at. Yes. But like that, that I would not, if you told me but in he's five shoot, years, he's shooting better now. Yeah. If you told me in five years, like he's eighth man on, on some playoff teams bench, like I'd probably believe it. Like he's, he, he's got that ability. When you look across the league right now, um, and you kind of look at where things are. I mean, I if the assuming there is a field of sixty eight, plug for the site name there. Uh, <laughs> assuming there's a field of sixty eight, right? Like we know, we we know Alabama's in. You know, Tennessee, unless it just completely goes like zero and eight, probably down the stretch. Tennessee's in. You know, Missouri's in. Um, kind of beyond that, where where how many? teams here because there's a bunch that are still in the mix how many sec teams do you think end up getting to the field because this this number and the reason i'm asking you this is because that number can be wildly different depending on who you talk to i mean some people are are saying something like you know five six some people are saying more than that some people saying hey it might be only those top four or five teams i mean how many do you think roughly from this league would get into a field of 68 i think you probably have to cap it at at six max, right? Yeah. Like I, unless, unless they get an auto bid, I don't see Kentucky making it. And then 
I don't see anyone below them in the league standings finding a way to make it. Um, Auburn would, would be interesting if uh, if they had not pulled the plug on their season already. Um, but after that, you know, I, I think it comes down to what does LSU do the rest of the season and what does Arkansas do the rest of the season? Like for my money, I think that like Florida is probably pretty safe and um, Tennessee is probably pretty safe. And like, I mean, Alabama's they, they, they're, they're going through the tournament. Yeah. Well, t- Tennessee's non-conference wins are probably what will, you know, end up. The Colorado one looks really, really good, right? Yeah. Now. And they, you know, and this Kansas team is not great, but it's okay. And um, you know, those couple their wins. Computer are- numbers, they play in the big 12. So their computer numbers are always going to yeah. be like game stock stock. So it's going to keep going up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to what, what do you expect Arkansas to be? And what do you expect LSU to be? Um, and if you were to tell me that both of those teams will go on runs and, they'll finish like 12 and six in the SEC. I'd probably believe it. If you're going to tell me that both of them are going to end up losing eight of their last 10 games and finish with an under 500 record in the SEC, I would probably believe that too. So I think that the safe bet is to say somewhere between four and six uh, and all depends on how much, how much you trust uh, Will Wade and how much you trust um, Eric Musselman over at Arkansas. Now, where do you stand on the whole, um, when you look across the country that, that obviously, I mean, Everyone knows who the top two teams are. I mean, you'd have to be really, really dumb to not see who the top two teams are. Um, but, but where do you think, like, you know, the, the Michigans, the Iowas, how close, you know, and we thought Tennessee could be up there, but we'll see by the end of the year. But, you know, h- how close do you think some of these second-tier teams are to, to those top two? Not, not very close. Um, I, I think that they can be beaten, uh, you, you know, but the problem is, like, when you look at the when you look at Gonzaga and you look at Baylor, there's nothing that immediately stands out as exploitable, right? Yeah. Like Baylor, Baylor is the first, the only team that I can find in Ken Palm's database that is uh, top five nationally in three point percentage, in offensive rebounding percentage, and in defensive turnover turnover percentage. Which means no one in the country maximizes um, the number of possessions that they get offensively, while also like maximizing how efficient they are with those possessions, you know, does that make sense? Like yeah, they're, I mean, they're forcing I mean, turnovers. I mean, just, just to see team, I mean, it's weird to, to see a team like Baylor that's top three nationally in both offensive and defensive efficiency from the same team, you know, normally a really good team, like for instance, like a Michigan is top 10 in both. Right. Um, and I think, I forget what the stat is. It's something like, uh, I don't know how it's several, several years in a row. Um, and I don't know, Texas Tech that one year might have been an exception. I have to go back and look. But when you look at like national champions throughout throughout like the Ken Palm era, you've had to be basically top twenty in both of these things. You know, or top yeah, twenty five. I, I, I did I did the math on it once, and it was like um, I think the worst defensive team uh, for what their their numbers were heading into the tournament. Not at because like, things change when you're in the tournament and you beat six good teams. But was, it the, was heading that into was the, the tournament UNC team? Uh, North Carolina. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was it UNC? That was my guess. Yeah, North Carolina in 2009, the one with Tyler Hansbrough, they were 39th in adjusted defensive efficiency heading into the tournament. And, but, like, for the most part, everyone is top 20 in both. And then offensively, it was the uh, it was both the UConn teams in 2011 and 2014. 2014, UConn was top 10 in defensive efficiency and outside the top 50 in offensive efficiency heading into the tournament. I did a big thing on this a while back. Like, I, I love that you're bringing this up. No, I'm cause, so nerdy. Cause, no, you know, I, I think it's great because I think, you know, there, there's a lot of people who are like, there's like a church of Ken Palm and I am 100% a church of Ken Palm member. I, I just, I, yeah. just, I mean, and there are other, you know, it, this is like its own little cottage industry. Now there are people who have all kinds of great metrics. There's a guy, uh, a Tennessee fan stats by will, you know, you've even heard him mentioned, you know, like, um, you know, Dykes and some other guys mentioned him during ESPN and SEC Network broadcasts. And he's a Tennessee fan who just really, really breaks down all the numbers and everything. There are so many cool things you can do. Um, but there's a lot of things. I It just gets back to that adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency. Yeah, and, you, and, you, and you to your point, like, like I, I just – Iowa – completely off them. I don't think that they can win a national title. I'd be surprised if they can get to a final four. They are just that bad on the defensive end. Like they looked like they had figured some things out for a little while, but they're just, they're a mess. Michigan. um, You know, I I worry about teams that don't have great point guard play and that have bigs that are kind of like throwback bigs. Like Hunter Dickinson is awesome around the basket um, on both ends of the floor. He's a great rebounder. He's a monster in the post. Uh, but he's not really a floor spacer and he's not someone that you want defending on the perimeter. Mike Smith, 
Um, he's really good. Transfer from Columbia, but like at the end of the day, you have to have elite guard play, I think, to win a national title. I would not put Mike Smith in that category. Um, Illinois, I just uh, I think they're too matchup dependent with Kofi Coburn at the five. Houston, like, can we really trust the team that loses at East Carolina? No, you can't. That's the answer. That that's, um, Alabama. Yeah, that's where I am with Houston too. They're fun to watch, but yeah, yeah. Uh, like Alabama, you know what happens on the the off shooting nights? I don't think that they're. Um, I don't. I, I think that a three point dependent team can win. Uh, but I think you have to be as good as like Villanova was in 2018 at shooting the ball to do that. And I don't, I don't know if it, um, Alabama's quite there. Like Virginia, I, not buying them. I don't think that they have the talent level. Villanova like might get there, but I mean, when you get run off the court by St. John's, like, like how good, how good are you really? So yeah, I mean, that, that that's just a long way of saying like everybody else in the country has significant and exploitable flaws. And I don't think there's a single significant or exploitable flaw on either Baylor or Gonzaga. And I would make the argument that both of them are like top eight teams that, that I've seen since I've been doing this. They're both, I mean, they're like really, 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 really good. Now it'd be nice to see, um, you know, in a normal year, these guys would have to go on really, really go on the road and be battle tested. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just, you know, the difference in, for instance, I you know can can speak locally here to, to Tennessee. The difference in Thompson Bowling Arena when there's twenty two thousand people in a wall of orange, just all up in your business, uh, it's a, just a great one of the most underrated places around. I think, and I've been to a, a lot of them by by now, uh, doing this for two decades. Um, but it's a really tough place to play, and it, it, that and like then you play in front of like thirty five hundred or thirty eight hundred people. It it's just it's not the same. So I'd like to see these teams kind of get tested that way. Um, you know, Gonzaga would play a, a, always plays a good non-con schedule, so maybe they would. But you know, Baylor certainly would, and it would be nice. But you know, hey, the tournament's going to be played that way too, right? Yeah, and and the other part of it is like, you know, Tennessee has. Well, you said there's like 3,500 people there. Yeah, 3,840, yeah. whatever it is, it, it's it's like less than 20 percent for sure. Yeah, like th- there there are a lot of places around the country that don't even have that. That don't that don't have. It's like you might maybe there's like a mom and a dad of one of the players like sitting 50 rows up and maybe like a media member, but like, um, so last night it was, uh, um, I think it was the the St. John's game. They showed a shot that a guy was taking from the baseline with the the stands in the background and it's nothing just, but empty seats all the way around. I wonder, I I wonder sometimes how photographers this year get angry about that because there'll be so many great shots that they would take and there's still great shots, but like there's empty stands in the background or there's like a coach wearing a face mask or something. And, or, or there's like a Tennessee, you know, the way they have the benches, there's like seven foot one Uros Plasic who has that spot right behind the goal. And mm-hmm. so like, he's just in your business the entire time you're trying to take photos and the guy never stops moving even when he's not playing. So it's like, I wonder how many photographers get, get angry about that because it's like, I'm, I'm sure all of them do. I, that's gotta be so frustrating. If there's a, a couple last things before we get out of here, you know, and we'll see. I mean, we we could have this conversation in a month, and it would be a totally different answer. And that's sort of the 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 beauty of college basketball, in my opinion. But when you look at this, um, if you are looking off the beaten path, um, you know, for for teams that that you've seen uh, some some mid majors, uh, maybe even a low major, if it's the right one, just a team that could you know really kind of do some damage in March. Because one team that just jumps out for me. Uh, and Tennessee fans don't drive off the road here. Loyola is a team that I think is, uh, you know, it, it could give you a hard time. I mean, I, they just play really, really great defense, and that's a team that I think. But but when you look across, I mean, the the country, and, you know, there are teams like Colorado who are better than people think. You know, uh, USC's interesting. Uh, you know, Creighton's always tough. But, I mean, who are some teams that, like, maybe people don't won't think of as a team that you wouldn't want to play? Um, well, Loyola was definitely the one that I was going to mention. Like, they're, sorry, they're, took I took I took your milkshake I mean, there. They're really, really good defensively. Like, they got a five man in Cameron Crutwig that has one played in the Final Four and two is like the perfect kind of like six foot eight fat guy that can really pass. Yeah. Like he he's he's a, a center through and through, but he they run their entire offense through him. Like he's basically their point guard in the half court. Um, and so like to me, that's just like the quintessential mid-major legend right like you got a fat guy that's a great passer yep at Loyola Chicago with sister Jean like if uh if they make another run that's that's kind of the uh the perfect team for it um I and, do and, like Colorado and, and, and I think they call. should they should put Tennessee in the same bracket as them just for a potential rematch <laughs> but Tennessee fans are probably so pissed at me right now but yeah go ahead I'm sorry Colorado you were talking about 
yeah, they, that that's that, that that probably hurts. Uh, just just hearing that a little bit. Um, there's there's a couple that that are really interesting though. Like so, St. Louis really stands out yeah. to me. Um, they've kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit. They they were they missed, I think it was 33 days between games with with COVID pauses, and like they've. It's, it's, it's rough, man. They, they look like they've been kind of stuck in a hotel room for 33 days. But if they can get this thing going again, they have two really, really, really good guards. Um, they have a center and a San French. I don't know if you've seen this guy play, Wes, but, like, he is 6'7". He looks like – remember that guy that used to play for um, the, the defensive end for Baylor that was, like, 6'9 and, yes. like, nothing but yes. muscle? Yes, yes, yes. Like, French is built like that. Like he's just huge and strong and tough. And he was just starting to get going um, when they kind of went into their pause. So they're tough. They're physical. They got great guards. Like that's kind of what you want to bet on um, in March. And then the other one is I'm kind of buying into the idea of Georgia tech being good. I don't know if they're going to be able to get into the tournament, uh, but they play this like Tennessee fans love, love, love Georgia tech's coach. So it's, it's always, (laughs) they love Josh Pastner around here. He's a really popular guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they play that like weird kind of three-two matchup zone. Uh, they have a point guard in Jose Alvarado, who's he, I mean, he again one of my favorite players in the country. Like, he's he's got the long flow going. He's like this kid from the Bronx um, with like the thick Bronx like uh, Hispanic accent. And uh, there's a couple of things. He's so tough, right? And two, he's got the most adorable little daughter that comes to the games. She's she's one years old. I did a story on him last year about having a kid like in the middle of the season. So it's like the Benjamin Button version of Sister Jean, basically. Yeah, and like yeah, she's just she's so cute and she's always at the games and cheering him on. So like, how can you not root for a guy like that? Um, last one I got for you, one more, uh, and I don't think that this is going to be someone that makes Tennessee fans mad. I hope not. If it is, then I'll be I'll be three and zero with that. But oh, it's I think Western. It's, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're good there. I, like Rick Stansbury was at Mississippi State, but like, is that really going to get people pissed off? He, he was at Texas A&M, but eh, whatever. Uh, but I mean, they're they're talented, man. They got they got high major players um, in their backcourt. Tavion Hollingsworth is one of the best shot makers in college basketball. They got a center in Charles Bassey that was at one point a five star recruit. Um, he can make shots. He's athletic. He's he's uh, got three point range and he blocks shots. That's what you're kind of looking for. And then like they 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 surround all these guys with. Um, some of like the, the the quintessential role players, like they got a guy that does nothing but shoot threes and make threes. They got a guy that's like a six foot seven junkyard dog that can, you know, get out there and make a shot. He'll take a charge. Um, he could switch and guard anyone like he's kind of like that. He's got that like football player mentality. Yeah. While he's going to be the first guy on every loose ball. So um, the, the only problem is like Rick Stansbury is a great recruiter. I don't know if he's actually a great basketball coach. So we'll see what happens there. But they're they're definitely not somebody like if you're in that four thirteen game and you see Western Kentucky coming up, that's not that's not the matchup that you want. Not the matchup that you want. So so naturally that might be the one that Tennessee gets. That's what Tennessee fans are thinking right might now. Be. Rob, before you step out of here, just tell everyone what you're what you're doing there at Field of Sixty Eight, because y'all have got a really cool thing going there. I've enjoyed kind of watching it kind of get started and, and grow. And y'all are y'all are doing some cool things. So tell us all about that. So I, I was laid off in uh, in August in NBC's COVID cutbacks, and um, I decided that like I didn't want to try to find another job with major media. One because there was like nobody is hiring right now, and two, you know, I, I feel like those big companies just don't appreciate the value that kind of like localized fan bases put into their favorite college basketball programs. Like Tennessee's got a huge basketball fan base. And I don't think that people at these national media markets, like if you're not Zion Williamson, you're not Trey Young, you're not Duke, you're not Kentucky, you're not Coach K, you're not Coach Cal, like they just don't give a shit. So um, I decided I wanted to to solve that problem and just do my own thing and make it on my own. So um, I partnered with with Jeff Goodman. I don't think he's pissed off Tennessee fans recently. No, no, he's he's an FOP. Go back with Goodman. Good dude. Good dude. He he went to a Goo Goo Dolls concert once, but we can let that slide. Look, Jeff, Jeff is very good at a lot of things. Like his taste in music is absolutely not one of those things. Yes. His taste in beer and his taste in music are the two things where you just cannot trust that man. Correct. Um, but yeah, so he's like, he knows 
basically every player that's ever played college basketball. Yeah. I think every human being that has any kind of tangential relationship to the sport of basketball at any level, like just Jeff Goodman knows and is best friends with him. It's, it's ridiculous. He's got, I swear, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, Wes. He's got literally every single person's phone and his phone number, Yeah. anybody's number yeah. that you want, he has, and he knows. Yeah. It's, um, it's like, it's like he's, he's a Rolodex of names and numbers. Yeah. It's and perfect. stats. Like, yeah. So, and since he knows all these guys, he was just like, well, here's what we can do. Um, we can start a, like a podcast and a video network. And since I know all the players that would be, be relevant, that would be good at this, that would be able to, uh, to make this work, that would want to make it work, then let's just go and start creating all these team-specific channels and, and find a way to build a network um, dedicated to nothing but college basketball on a localized level. So that's what we did. And it's yeah, awesome. It's <laughs> awesome, man. It's awesome. And y'all are doing great work over there. And uh, I don't know if Jeff will, will listen to this, but uh, I do not apologize for the, the Goo Goo Dolls joke. That was, <laughs> uh, I'm probably going back there. That was years ago because I remember Parrish and there a few, few of us giving him a hard time about that. But that was, uh, that was good, good, good times, man. And Rob, we always, always appreciate the time. Uh, where can people find you on uh, social and everything like that? So follow me on Twitter at Rob Dosser and then follow the field of 68 on Twitter at the field of 68 pretty straightforward there you go that's a good place to do it rob <laughs> thanks so much for your time man and uh good luck and uh hopefully things up there and uh the, the beltway get looking get, get, get better get better yeah they will man and uh good catching up and and you know go give that corgi some scritches for me yeah he, he needs it <laughs> he's been he's been 46 minutes now and he hasn't said a word it's the most stunned i've ever been in my life yeah i'm impressed there <laughs> thanks. you go <laughs> thanks buddy that was our conversation with good friend of the pod, Rob Doster from Field of 68. Highly recommend going to check them out. Please go do that. And uh, you know what? Thanks, Rob, for, for joining us for this podcast. And thank you all for listening. If I can hit that button correctly. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to Facebook at facebook.com slash govals 24-7. It's not only Tennessee stuff on there, but mostly Tennessee stuff on there and other things that we think false fans would like. Uh, but that page is updated pretty much routinely, at least once an hour, all day, every day. Tons of good stuff there. But if you want the, the best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water, just Right from the tap, Ronnie Millsap style. Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. The Vols are a consensus top 20 team heading into this season with four preseason All-Americans. Tons of good stuff going on in Tony Vitale's program. we got a bunch of stuff about them on the site right now. Also got Lady Vols coverage from Maria Cornelius. As always, tons of good stuff there. we got two. Two forums, uh, the Checkerboard and the Summit, uh, that, that run around the clock. Uh, and it's Tennessee fans uh, basically conversing about all things Vols, all things SEC, all things college sports, uh, NFL, other sports, just life in general. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week digitally, which is more important than ever right now. You can go get all of that right now. You can converse with us. We're on that site all day, every day. Uh, there's a bunch of us on staff, and at least one of us one of us is usually up anytime throughout the day. So tons of stuff you can go get there. Highly recommend that. Uh, and you can get all of that for the low, low, ridiculously low price of less than one mediocre lunch per month. I put that in perspective, less than one mediocre lunch per month. Uh, and if you pay us full price already, which is still, as I said, really, really cheap, you get access in perpetuity for free to CBS All Access, which is going to be Paramount Plus in the near future. Uh, but that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's going to be even more content for everyone. Uh, and that that transfer is still going to go right on through the transfer portal no problem there there's a there's a seamless profile seamless transfer portal profile to go from uh, from CBS All Access to Paramount Plus going to get you set up there that's every show CBS has ever done commercial free new movies every single month uh, you got live sports uh, you got so you got stuff from um, you got Tennessee football obviously SEC so you got Tennessee football Tennessee basketball uh, college football uh, college basketball March Madness you know, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, NFL, PGA Tour, uh, all kinds of good stuff on there that you can get new podcast exclusive stuff. Everything is on that site and you get all that. That's a $100 plus value in your pocket for nothing, freaking nothing. You cannot beat that deal. You cannot beat that deal. 
So go check that out. You should hear from us again probably, oh, oh I would say by Monday at the latest, unless something happens before then, which is always possible at Tennessee, but uh, Monday at the latest. So until then, wash your freaking hands, wear your freaking masks, be freaking nice to each other. We're so close. Vaccine's going out. Let's get through this together. Let's come out stronger for it. We can do this. I believe in us. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.